just go ahead and get started. And uh, I just want to welcome everyone. My name is Dawn Rodriguez Ward, and I, along with Jennifer Baltzadar, we're the uh, co and facilitators for the weekly Genetic Engineering and Society Centers seminar. Um, and we're really excited today to uh, have this panel that talks about the challenges, successes, and sustainability of the NSF National Research Traineeships on Food, Energy, and, and Water Systems. Uh, we've got three great panelists. Uh, I'm going to quickly introduce them. And uh, then we'll uh, we'll hear about seven to ten minutes from each panelist talk about their programs. Um, uh, first, we have Dr. Carletta Chief, who's the director of the Indigenous Resilience Center, professor and extension specialist at the Department of Environmental Science at the University of Arizona. And she was the PI of the NSF NRT Indigifuse, which is Indigenous Food, Energy, and Water Security and Sovereignty. Uh, there's that additional S there. Uh, and she is also PI of the Collaborative Research uh, NSF Includes Alliance, broadening career pathways in food, energy, and water systems with and within Native American communities for the Native Fuse Alliance. Uh, so welcome, Dr. Chief. Uh, we also have Dr. Amy Sepkota, who is professor uh, at the School of Public Health at the Maryland Institute for Applied Environmental Health. And she is also the PI of the UMD Global Stewards, and that's STEM training at the nexus of energy, water, reuse, and food systems. And our, our third guest is Dr. Yael Perez, who's uh, the Development Engineering Program Director at the Bloom Center for at the University of California, Berkeley. And she was also she was also the program coordinator for Infuse, which is innovations at the nexus of food, energy, and water systems. So uh, we're going to be hearing from these three different NSF research traineeships, um, sharing about their programs, challenges, opportunities, and sustainability or next steps. How they, uh, uh, what happens uh, at the university after you've created these uh, programs, and what are some next steps to ensure its sustainability. And I also should mention that uh, I am a program coordinator for an NRT here at NC State uh, called Ag Biofuse, which is agricultural biotechnology in our evolving food, energy, and water systems. So we have many uh, of our NRT fellows uh, attending this seminar, and we also invited uh, other uh, NRTs um, from uh, the program coordinator uh, working group, um, that I participate in. So I'm happy to see a lot of faces from there and I hope we have a, a great diverse audience um, and get to hear from uh, some of the other people that are in our audience today um, to learn about their experiences. And uh, as Jen mentioned, we'll have the first 30 minutes of our panelists talking and then we'll save the last 30 minutes for discussion. So thank you. I'm gonna uh, let Dr. Carletta Chief uh, share her screen first. Good morning. Everyone, yeah, eh, bene, uh, she, uh, Torji, Nishle, Tohana Bashishin, the Sasana Dashiche, Yadin, Etrachini, Dashamela. I am Bitterwater, born for near the water, and my maternal grandfather is, uh, many goats. That's how I identify as a, a Dene woman or Native American. And, um, today I want to share with you, um, our efforts to sustain the Indigenous Food, Energy, and Water Security and Sovereignty Program or what we call Indigifuse. And we are in fifth year, no cost extension. 
So um, the Indigifuse program is a National Science Foundation National Research Traineeship that is in collaboration with the Net College. And the Net College is the oldest tribal college in the United States. We had previously been working with them on learning modules centered around mining. And so we partnered with them to apply for the NRT. And this partnership and uh, work around the proposal uh, spanned at about nine months <clears throat> prior to us uh, submitting. So it took a lot of um, discussion, brainstorming, as well as um, working to, with different um, administrators at Dinette College um, as people um, changed positions. We also expanded on our existing relationships with uh, our community partners, as well as created new relationships, particularly um, those new relationships were focused around solar and um, food sovereignty. And then um, this is expanded to date um, in which uh, all of these uh, successful efforts have resulted in the creation of the Indigenous Resilience Center, a commitment made by the University of Arizona to sustain uh, the efforts that we have been able to do within Indigifuse through the Indigenous Resilience Center. So the Indigifuse is centered <clears throat> around um, developing a diverse workforce that is able to work respectfully and ethically with indigenous communities to co-design and co-develop and co-solve the food energy water challenges in indigenous communities in a way that um, the students are able to have intercultural awareness, understanding of the community's priorities, having respectful partnerships and collaboration and engaging in that co-design. And so in addition to um, the content of developing expertise in food, energy, water systems, developing technologies, um, the central uh, goal was to learn how to work with developing communities. So in our program, um, we had a total of 38 trainees and um, 16 of them were master students and <clears throat> 22 are PhD students. And majority of them completed an internship and were about a third of the way in, in terms of um, graduation rates. Um, and so um, those that have graduated have been employed um, 100% in, upon graduating. So we've had four cohorts and um, a third of them are Native American and 21% um, are underrepresented minorities, 58% are female. So you can see by the demographics that we are diverse and oftentimes by the name of our NRT, people um, mistaken us for being just for indigenous students, which um, is not correct. We, we are open to um, all students who are interested in learning. And so <clears throat> our training components are quite comprehensive um, and we have faculty um, mostly representing from engineering, but we also have faculty in the social sciences and education. Um, and the training components, in addition to the major courses, involve um, an internship that they do in an indigenous community or industry that has a Native American program. 
We have professional development through a seminar where uh, the students learn how to um, not only do all the science communication and professional development, but also learn how to um, communicate, um, work ethically with uh, tribal communities, uh, look at case studies. Um, we have a Native Voices in STEM where we bring professionals in into our um, on campus that's still going on to share about their work with indigenous communities. We have a cultural immersion, a pilot project that centers on off-grid technologies. And um, we develop a PhD minor. Um, the students learn how to teach at the tribal college and um, do training within the tribal communities. So um, in terms of sustaining our program, um, what we're doing is we're continuing to have this ongoing partnership with the college, which goes beyond the grant and extends into other efforts. Um, and so it continues to be that living classroom. And um, we've developed a um, greenhouse and um, off-grid system there that the college can continue to use to train their students. The Indigenous Resilience Center um, has been created, um, continuing on our work, but also we've recruited three new faculty that work in the food, energy, water nexus with many more tribal communities. Um, and so we've also hired um, three staff to um, assist and support those faculty. And we um, are currently getting uh, other faculty across campus to be affiliated with us. We have the GIDP PhD minor program, which continues on at Indigifuse, open to all students. And then we have um, a very successful seminar series called Native Voices in STEM, which um, rotates through departments across campus and centers on the department's um, field, um, but focusing on professionals working in Native communities within that area. So, um, we, um, in the partnership with the NET College, we continue to provide training and that happens through an off-grid system that is used to provide drinking water. And this is how we co-design and we downscale that with the community um, NGOs now to a smaller scale. We also develop a greenhouse, uh, control environmental agriculture at Diné College, and as well uh, hoop houses at the community level. We've developed fused teaching modules that um, are developed for Diné College, other tribal colleges, and also now currently um, modifying those for Star School, which is a K through eight off-grid sustainable um, uh, uh, school on the Navajo Nation. And we continue to lead in training our colleagues across campus and students in what it means to engage with tribes on um, environmental research and co-designing. And for example, this semester we're doing a series, um, anything from indigenous data sovereignty to indigenous evaluation to um, working with uh, tribal communities and so forth. So um, that's, ongoing in terms of um, our work through the Indigenous Resilience Center. And those <clears throat> efforts have been funded by um, the University of Arizona Provost Investment Funds and the Presidential Investment Funds. And um, <clears throat> through um, the NRT, we've been able to establish um, partnerships across campus, collaborations that have um, 
uh, really propagated to other departments and other grant efforts. For example, the Transformation Network, we received a small grant from the Research Innovation Impact, the um, Arizona Institute for Resilience and the HOWRI program, all working um, to build and fund all the efforts around off-grid food energy water technologies, um, training, collaborative research, and then trainings of faculty on how to work with uh, tribal communities. And um, like I said, the Native Voices in STEM is continuing on as well as the GIDP and other uh, programs and centers have come on to uh, co-sponsor those uh, series. And um, the PhD minor um, is uh, involves um, training of students within the food energy water, all the way from biosystems engineering to solar energy to water treatment systems, um, uh, a capstone that brings all of the design together, as well as allowing students to um, get training on uh, get working with tribal communities through an American Indian Studies course, as well as taking the city, which is the research ethics course. And um, I appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to this dialogue. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and get started. And I apologize, I'm getting over a cold. So hopefully uh, I can get through this and not lose my voice. So I'm delighted to be here today to share with you some information about our UMD Global Stewards NSF NRT, which was funded in 2018. So we are in our fifth year. Oops. All right. So our mission is very broad and it's to sustain an interdisciplinary experiential training program that's preparing doctoral students to work and communicate across diverse food, energy, water disciplines from multiple scales. So uh, we have a very broad uh, research focus. We are doing research in many different areas uh, uh, focused at the few nexus. And our research really leverages off of the rich research that is ongoing here at Maryland at our centers and programs and projects that are focused at the few nexus. For example, I also direct the uh, Conserve Center of Excellence, which was launched by USDA in 2016. And the Conserve Center focuses on advancing agricultural water reuse. So you can see in the figure to the right below, this is one of our uh, theme research areas, is advancing agricultural resilience through energy efficient water reuse. So <clears throat> in addition to our research areas, the experience of, of our students in the program uh, really covers five different program elements. So we have experiential coursework, which I'll discuss in a little bit more detail on the next slide. We have our professional development workshop series. Uh, we call it Summer Boost because it's offered the very last uh, week of August before the fall semester begins. We have a domestic internship. Uh, we also engage in outreach and mentoring uh, to undergrads and also uh, community members. And then sort of one of the highlights of our NRT is this global winter AMP experience, which is a short-term study abroad trip to, uh, we have done trips to Israel and Nepal, where we collaborate with our uh, partners at Kathmandu University in Nepal and the Hebrew University of Jerusalem in Israel and the Arava Institute uh, for Environmental Studies in Southern Israel. And uh, we focus there on projects that are uh, heavily impacting underserved communities. 
So we have a very diverse community of doctoral students coming from uh, fields including public health, uh, agriculture, natural sciences, engineering, architecture, behavioral and social sciences. And to give you an idea of our students' experience in the program, their first year in the program is where they are, are spending the most time engaging with our activities. And then after year one, they engage in activities such as the seminar, outreach, mentoring, and service. So our program uh, is really a calendar year experience for that year one. We begin with our annual meeting, and then fellows have the opportunity. It's not... Uh, uh, required, but it's optional for them to travel with our team on our global winter AMP experience. They then begin our course series in the spring semester uh, with an additional uh, uh, experiential introduction to the Food Energy Water Nexus, our three-credit 690 course, as well, as well as our seminar. Our students also engage in student-led committees, including our seminar committee, our outreach and uh, service and mentoring committee, our social media committee and our social committee. And in this first uh, three credit course, this is when sort of another sort of cornerstone of the program begins and it is in our interdisciplinary few nexus research project experience. So in this experience, uh, teams of three to four students across diverse disciplines uh, engage in an interdisciplinary few nexus project that begins in March and will end with a project deliverable in December. And the deliverable is an actionable item. It could be a research manuscript, a grant proposal, so a more traditional academic uh, deliverable, or it could be an op-ed, uh, policy memo, testimony, extension and outreach materials. And the projects are pitched by students, faculty, or external partner organizations. Our students then complete our professional development workshop series and an optional internship in the summertime. And then they round out our course series in the fall and complete work on their projects and then present their projects uh, in December. So to highlight a, a few uh, examples of our successes, uh, we are very proud that we have been able to engage a very diverse community of students, not just from disciplines, uh, but also in terms of uh, gender and uh, cultural and racial diversity. So the majority of our fellows identify as women uh, and or the, the majority of our fellows identify as being black, indigenous or people of color. Uh, we're very proud that we're also meeting the majority of our goals in terms of advancing our fellow skills in inter interdisciplinary research, in oral and written communication skills, uh, in terms of their career preparation, and also, also their cultural competence. And just an example of our 2022 outputs, you know, we have a very highly productive uh, community of faculty and students. Uh, they completed numerous uh, peer-reviewed publications and presentations last year, multiple book chapters, doctoral dissertations, and our community is also very active in engaging with the media. In terms of challenges, uh, I think it's safe to say that across the board, COVID uh, really disrupted all of these NRT programs. We only had our first, our very first cohort in 2019 that was not impacted by COVID. And this has really impacted our uh, interconnectedness across cohorts. We were really hoping that there'd be a lot of cross cohort talk, but this is something that just couldn't happen during COVID. Uh, our global winter AMP trips were derailed along with a lot of our outreach, mentoring and internship activities. Uh, beyond COVID and other challenges, 
faculty engagement. And I think this is also a challenge across many NRTs that uh, because faculty don't receive a lot of financial support from these NRTs, it's challenging to, to uh, bring them in and have them engaged in each of our elements. Uh, financial sustainability overall is very challenging moving forward as we, we're looking into our uh, sixth year, which will be a no-cost extension. But after that, it's very difficult to sustain these fabulous NSF stipends that have supported our fellows. Uh, in terms of just to give you a brief idea of our sustainability plan moving forward, we have uh, actually just been notified this week that we're receiving funds from our provost and our vice president of research to uh, continue several elements of our Global Stewards program. And the plan now, which we'll be piloting in this coming year, is that we'll be able to offer $5,000 summer stipends to our fellows. And uh, re by receiving the stipend, they will uh, participate in sort of a very condensed, uh, concise version of our full NRT. So we'll combine our coursework to one three credit course. We'll continue with our professional development workshop activities. And then the students will have the chance to participate in our ongoing interdisciplinary few nexus research projects that will either be ongoing here in Maryland, Nepal, Israel, or our new site is in Tanzania. Uh, so thank you again for inviting me today. I'm really looking forward to the discussion and I'm looking forward to hearing from our third speaker as well. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dr. Sepkofa. And thank you all for 10 minute time limit. Amazing, you guys are doing great. Um, Dr. Perez, if you would like to go ahead and share your screen. Yeah. Okay, I think I'm uh, set. So, hello everyone. My name is Yael and I'm uh, joining today from UC Berkeley, California, sitting on the territory of the Holoni people. I have a PhD in architecture and I worked with the Pinoliville Pomonation here in California on co-design methodologies. Uh, I work as staff now at the Blum Center for Developing Economies like the GES Center, the Blum Center is a multidisciplinary center. Our mission is to address the grand challenge of global poverty through an interdisciplinary problem-solving approach that draws on students and faculty dedicated to facing this challenge through innovative initiatives, education, education and research. Um, I started as a research fellow here in 2017 when the Infuse uh, program was already running. Uh, I transitioned to become the Infuse NRT coordinator in 2018. Um, um, and Professor Alice Agugino is the PI on this NRT grant. Uh, I am now the director of the Development Engineering Programs, which is the institutional backbone to, to use the term that NSF is often using uh, for this NRT. And I'll talk more about this tie in the next slides. As part of uh, my position, I was also part of uh, several teams writing a few successful and also, also some unsuccessful uh, grants. Uh, one of the successful grants uh, that uh, Professor Coletta Chief was mentioning was the NSF Includes for the Native Fuse Alliance, which uh, Professor Alice Agugino and Professor Coletta Chief here um, are the PIs on, and started uh, as a collaboration through the Infuse NRT, and I'll show a bit of, 
of that timeline as well. Um, I continue to coordinate uh, the um, NSF includes on the Berkeley campus. Uh, we have a separate uh, backbone for that. Um, and I also been involved on writing and supporting other NRTs on campus, especially one on digital transformation of development, uh, which I helped launch. Um, I'll talk today most on the Infuse NRT and how it got connected to other program, but I'm happy to answer question more broadly. Um, so I'll start with the format of the Infuse uh, NRT. Um, it's a one-year program, but fellows are staying engaged uh, throughout their time on campus. We have two required courses um, and one to three electives, depending if they're doing a PhD or a master's program. As part of the NRT, the PhD students are required to take the DevEng designated emphasis, which like other programs, this is a minor for PhD students. Um, and the master's students are required to take uh, the courses. Um, so there's two, two core courses. One is a, a design class in the fall that is focused on um, human-centered design and community-based uh, design. And the other class is uh, DevEng 210, which is focused on the multidisciplinary research and allows students to present their own research to hear from uh, other students who are doing uh, different research in different disciplines, but also focus on the actionable uh, piece of the research. And also we require the students to bring their faculty in that class to present how the lab more broadly is working. And that has helped the faculty engagement piece. So the faculty is uh, required to come for one lecture, present about their lab, uh, together with the student presenting uh, the research. Um, the programs are run by the graduate group in development engineering and some of the copies on the NRT are part of this uh, graduate group. Uh, this is uh, a way for UC Berkeley to have departments that run across, um, across existing uh, official departments. So it's a uh, it's a group of faculty interested in uh, actionable research that focus on low resources communities. Um, more recently, we launched the Professional Masters of Development Engineering, which was a way to uh, focus on a master program, professional master and training that offer diverse career in development engineering. And we heard from several um, um, several uh, career opportunities and, and companies that are interested to get more people who have these um, skills but are not focused necessarily on research in the field. Um, so we started this NRT in 2016. Um, like other, we had a uh, uh, some slowdown due during COVID. So we are now finishing up our second low cost extension. 
we joined in 2019, uh, University of Montana had an infused meeting where all the infused NRTs could join students and faculty and coordinator and meet around their programming. Um, and then this is where we uh, met for Professor Coletta Chief uh, and other uh, related uh, infused program that worked with indigenous communities. Um, as mentioned, our program is not focused necessarily on indigenous communities, but uh, part of the work um, I was doing with Professor Alisa Gugino was with Native American communities, and we had a group of students continuing this collaborative collaboration. Um, and we took that part uh, to collaborate with other institutions and create the CoinFuse uh, supplement for the NRT, which was uh, a gathering that should have happened in Diné College, but again, because of COVID, ended up online, but, but created uh, a lot more impact and brought many more uh, partners. Um, and this was the basis for submitting uh, NSF includes um, grant. Uh, in 2021, we also uh, launched the professional master. So we now have the designated emphasis in uh, development engineering as well as the masters. This is a bit about the infuse uh, NRT statistics. Uh, so we have uh, around 18 to 22, I think, was the maximum every year. Uh, we had that for four years, but extended in the fifth year to have uh, fellowships as well uh, in our non-cost extension. Um, so our enrollment, total enrollment reached uh, 80 students. Uh, like other NRT, this kind of uh, more interdisciplinary thinking and social impact brought more female to engineering. Uh, so we constantly have uh, more uh, female joining us than uh, men, as well as a higher representation of underrepresented mayor minorities compared to the Berkeley um, average, the Berkeley graduate student average. Um, and we uh, are bringing students from across campus, across departments. And every year we have uh, a few more departments represented. I think we reach uh, uh, probably 17 departments represented uh, through our students. So this is a, a bit a way to present how the different programs are working together and how uh, the campus is supporting the sustainability of the program as well as additional grants. Uh, so on the left, you see the development engineering programs, which again has a master program and a PhD minor, which is the institutional backbone that was created through the NRT. Um, and that was for the infuse NRT. But what we find out that we got a lot of uh, in the in this development engineering, we got a lot of uh, engineering students and engineering representation from different 
department, but very few electrical engineering, uh, computer science. And we wanted to have similar impact on this group of students and bring more, more diversity of students uh, in this field and bring more social impact um, through digital transformation. Um, so a group of uh, a, a, new, a different group of faculty was working on uh, NRT that is focused specifically on AI and data science, which is called the digital transformation of development, and that was um, launched last year. Um, in addition, as mentioned, we had the Infuse NRT workshop as a supplement. Then we had a focus supplement for the CoinFuse workshop, which had the focus on indigenous um, indigenous uh, work. And that led to the includes um, with the focus on native on the Native Fuse Alliance, creating so a, a network of more than 20 institutions with programs that are all focused on increasing career pathways in food, energy, water systems for Native American students and communities. Um, so the idea is how we can increase Native American students through career in food, energy, water system. How can we adjust the institution to make uh, higher education more relevant for students um, by um, having this uh, work and the work with the Native American community, they work with their communities, being part of their academic um, academic work. And that's all my, uh, my presentation. I'm happy to answer more questions about each of these programs and how they are connected together. That was great. Thank you, everyone, for sharing your programs with us. We do have um, quite a good uh, selection of questions to start with in the chat. So I'll begin reading those. Um, but for everyone else, if you would like to use the raise your hand function, feel free to do that. I will call on you. Um, and Or if you feel uncomfortable speaking to the group, put your question in the chat and I will read it if we can get to it. So um, just for everyone, uh, Martha asked um, Dr. Sapakota, how many of your students identify as Black or Indigenous of the total? And then um, that question was answered. 18% uh, of the fellows are Black and 4% are Indigenous. And then um, Martha followed up with the question to everybody, the whole panel. Can you talk a little bit about how you handled mentor trainings as part of your NSF NRT? So if, if she could just elaborate on the question a little bit more, like what aspect of, of mentor training? Sure. Uh, faculty mentors on your training programs um, who are going to be mentoring graduate students, do they have some sort of a official mentoring program that you run them through is it, you know just curious if if you've done that and so we don't have any specific mentoring program through our NRT there are there's a lot of mentoring support and workshops at our campus overall uh, but we don't offer them specifically through the NRT So um, for the Indigifuse program, <clears throat> we um, 
work to support the mentor-mentee relationship through the um, IDP. And so we develop a template for the mentoring, the individual um, development plan. And that was a meeting that we had with um, the mentor, the mentee, to go through all of that information <clears throat> on a regular basis. And then we encouraged um, participation of mentors and mentees in our training components, like going in a cultural immersion program, um, being involved in the co-design, the trainings. So there was a lot of like out of classroom interaction. We also invited our faculty to come to um, the seminar, to the Native Voices in STEM. And, um, and then we had socials as well to uh, facilitate um, that relationship as well. But um, looking back, you know, when I started out um, this program, I was, um, I think I was an assistant professor in learning the, the ropes as I went along. And I felt <clears throat> through my interactions with my individual advisees that um, I began to see that there was a need for training of um, mentors to to mentor, know how to mentor Native American students specifically. Um, we do have, like um, Dr. Subkota said about institutional mentoring seminars on campus. But in addition, I think um, I saw a need for training on mentoring um, BIPOC students. And so <clears throat> we, um, are now doing that through the Indigenous Resilience Center in our training. Um, and we collaborated with another NRT um, IGs where they were focused on Indigenous mentoring. So they use Sweeney Wind Chief's model of Indigenous mentoring, and they had like 10 series. And <clears throat> we encouraged our faculty to attend those trainings and they had modules on different ways on how to mentor specifically Native American students. So it was it was great for us that um, that other NRT was going on that was focused on indigenous mentoring that we really piggybacked off. But in terms of our own work, I think looking back, I would have made it more formal. Um, and now we're trying to do that through the Indigenous Resilience Center. And there is a need to have that training widely available across our campus. Thank you. And I'll try to answer the question together with the Cathy's uh, question on, uh, on the format for the faculty and student uh, class. Um, so at our, uh, we, we to, we don't have mentorship as for faculty as part of uh, this program. And most faculty are joining and or are bringing the student because they are already are doing, uh, taking their research to low resource setting. So usually it's the faculty who bring the students that they are working with and their PhD student to apply and to be trained on multidisciplinary research. And before I did my PhD in Berkeley and before uh, this program was available, 
And I had a, one of my advisor, my co-advisor was telling me, it's great that you're working with Native American communities, but this is not part of the of your academic work. And you, you're welcome to do that. And, and it's great work, but it's not part of your academic work. And this is what the um, DevEng program through the Infuse NRT was trying to change, making sure that both the academic work of the faculty, as well as the academic work of PhD students who are doing research with community, with communities is acknowledged and is institutionalized. Um, so, um, so the faculty directly are not being uh, trained, but the students, as they apply to this program, often bring to us new faculty who are doing already this work or who are interested in doing the work of applying the research to a low resource setting. So it's nice to see how this trickled both up and down uh, within the uh, campus. Um, and the main piece, as I mentioned, and to answer Cathy's uh, question, is the Development Engineering 210, which is a research seminar. And the students, every uh, the first few weeks, is just general discussion on development engineering as a field and, and what kind of research all the students are doing in common. So finding the common ground for all the students coming from very diverse disciplines. Um, and then each of them need to present the research um, and invite their faculty to, to be there and present more broadly what their lab is doing. And through this presentation, it happened a few times that students started to work together and thinking of their technology being implemented in new contexts that other students were working on. Um, sometimes they uh, added one more faculty to the dissertation with the goal to implement their research in uh, new places as they learn about what those uh, additional labs are uh, doing and how they implement their work in different contexts. Uh, so the faculty are just coming from one, for one session. They just talk about their um, their lab more broadly. They can see their student presenting, which about development engineering, which is part of the goal as well, and, and think of development engineering as a field, a, a separate field. Um, but also the other students get to learn about other research being done on campus and thinking how they can connect to other labs on campus. Okay, that was that was great. Uh, Jill has a question. Uh, if you'd like to unmute yourself, Jill, and ask. Hi, thank you. Um, my question is for Dr. Chief. Uh, I'm a PhD student here in the Ag Biofuse program at NC State. Um, could you please describe some of the successful co-produced or co-designed projects that have happened under the Indigifuse NRT um, and specifically what forms of collaboration have helped to make those successful? Great, thank you. So um, there's been several different examples. The first one is um, <clears throat> an off-grid solar nano filtration water unit and it sits on a trailer bed. It has two 
big um, water tanks. Um, one is the non-potable water source that goes through a series of treatment steps, um, pre-filters, and then a um, nanofiltration membrane, um, all controlled by, powered by um, solar panels that sit on top. <clears throat> and this can be um, hauled to remote places, um, you know, hitched up to a truck. So that whole design came about um, through actually a previous effort um, where a similar effort was done on a well on the Navajo Nation and um, through discussions and um, dialogue, the people said they needed one that was mobile. So that's how we transitioned to a mobile unit. And then during COVID, um, the Navajo Nation Council asked us now to downscale that unit to a household scale. And so that whole entire trailer bed um, unit was downscaled to a very small panel that is about um, two feet by three feet high that somebody can have in their home. And so we'll just provide um, lower amounts of water just for the home. And so that whole unit there was co-designed with Six World Solutions and that involved um, training on basics of environmental engineering, solar, um, and uh, and it involved a lot of discussions and training and we're actually still modifying it because we're piloting it in four homes right now. And then um, in terms of the greenhouse, we've been working with Dinah College on um, creating a solar powered greenhouse. Um, and we've um, modified what greenhouses they have, but also um, developed one that's more of a hoop house. And um, that's at the tribal college. And then we have <clears throat> indigenous students that work in the communities so, for example, we have um, a, a biosystems engineering student that is doing um, remote control um, control unit for greenhouses that is um, connected to <clears throat> the phone and allows a farmer to know when their greenhouse is exceeding temperature. So it's like a small little gadget, and that was. Um, done through him going, basically interning with um, the Navajo um, NGO for the summer and then going around talking to farmers for the entire summer, asking them what they needed. And then he developed that for his project. And it's, um, you know, it's an iterative process with the community partner to design that. So I would say those would be um, the primary examples. And then, of course, we have other types of research, like we have a student in um, biosystems engineering that is looking to see um, how traditional foods can be grown in a greenhouse and looking at um, looking at the efficacy of that um, in, in a greenhouse um, environment. So um, I'd say those are probably the primary examples of co-designed products. And then the students do range in their research. Like, you know, some students who don't have 
tribal approval or their project is not necessarily gonna um, involve community, but it has applications. So that would be like on the far left spectrum of where a student is in the program, but they're not necessarily um, have research that is directly with the community, but they would um, apply their research to that scenario. And then you have people all the way on the other side who are designing units, they're in the community, they're fully engaged, they're um, immersed. Um, we had a student that was living off grid and she learned what it meant to haul water and to, um, to the challenges around that. So it, we have a wide spectrum across the 38 trainees, but I would say in conclusion, those are the three products that are co-designed units. Okay, great. Um, our next question is from Pernil Booving, um, and this is for Dr. Subkota. Could you please elaborate a bit more on what the $5,000 summer stipends come from and for how long do they last? Only to previous, are, are they only for previous NRT fellows? Um, and for how many summers will sure. the funding be? Yes. Um, great. Thank you for that question. Uh, so this is a brand new uh, pilot that we're, we're going to be trying. The funds are coming from our provost and vice president of research. It's part of a new program called the University of Maryland Grand Challenges program, where they're providing funding to uh, faculty and staff uh, to ultimately uh, fund projects that will help solve the greatest challenges of our time. So it's an institutional funding program. and. <clears throat> we are in our last fully funded fifth year of our NRT, where our fellows that are in the NRT are on their full NSF uh, scholarship uh, stipend. So this will be something that we organize and plan this year, and we will be launching it in the fall. And the idea is that a fellow would be engaged for one year. They would receive a $5,000 summer stipend. And and that comes from a place of our where where our graduate school already offers five thousand dollars summer research fellowships. So we're sort of, uh, you know, going on a, a, a culture that already exists here at Maryland, where students can get some summer funding. So they would receive the five thousand dollars from sort of our sustained, you know, UMD Global Stewards program, and instead of participating in all five elements of our program, which is how different cohorts of our students have participated to date, it, their participation would be a little bit more condensed, a little bit more concise, but also very flexible. So uh, a part of that participation would be students engaging in one of our ongoing interdisciplinary research projects that are either here in Maryland or Nepal or Tanzania or Israel. And that student may choose to go on a short-term uh, study abroad trip to participate in that program if it's not in Maryland, or they could choose to participate for a semester long engagement. It really depends on what that student wants to get out of that project, whether they want to just participate and learn in a brief time frame, or whether they actually want to make that project part of their doctoral dissertation. Thank you. Our next question is from Courtney King and she asked, I recently became the coordinator for an NRT program at a small rural university. 
Our cohorts are already quite small, less than 10 trainees, and we have struggled recruiting and promoting our program to students from diverse backgrounds. Do any speakers have advice in this area? And I think uh, Dr. Chief um, kind of talked about recruiting in the comments, but um, we'd love to hear, you know, your opinions. Um, I have found that the best way to recruit, um, well, for me, Native American students um, and Hispanic is going to society, society conferences where there, the students are there, they're presenting. So um, going directly to where they are at, such as Society for American, uh, Society for the Advancement of Chicanos and Native Americans, their national conferences in the fall, and then the American Indian Science and Engineering Society. And then you can just find chapters in your region for both of those and engage with students directly within your region. And then um, there's groups out there like Geoscience Alliance, um, the American Indian Higher Education Consortium puts out a publication. So all of these you know, societies um, and entities have, have um, publications where you could put an ad in. Um, the American Indian Higher Education Consortium oversees all tribal colleges. And so putting your ad in there um, and then just going to visit um, the communities in which you're trying to recruit locally. Um, for example, we go to tribal colleges, we present there, we go to high schools, um, present there and connect with other programs like Upward Bound. Um, there's a program called the... Um, uh, Native American Engineering Society program. So we also use the outreach um, arm of our institution to connect. So just, I guess, being out there and trying to find those people and looking for them, um, I found more effective versus like emailing um, information out. So thank you. Do Dr. Perez or Sakoda want to add to that? Yeah, so I think the switch in disciplines also and institutional support within the department has been helpful um, in bringing women to uh, engineering, um, expanding beyond just the technical and bringing in more, more diverse education. Uh, which is part of what the NRT is, is generally trying to do and, and promote more multidisciplinary work. Um, and like Professor Chief mentioned, um, outreach within outside the institution, I, within the designated emphasis, we can only recruit from what we get to campus. So it's very hard to go beyond what campus is able to bring um, in terms of underrepresented minorities and doing this extra outreach within um, those uh, meetings uh, is helpful in, in um, attracting more students that come from diverse backgrounds. Great, and I'll just hop in. If, if any of the um, members who are watching today are 
coordinators, feel free to add your advice to the chat. Um, I think this is a really important question. So um, the more advice on how to recruit excellent students, the better. Um, okay, let me just check the chat. I feel like, okay, I think we have maybe one more question in the chat that should wrap us up. We have three minutes before we need to sign off. Um, but Heather Ho um, has a question about the no-cost extension. She says, I was told that it's not possible to have a no-cost extension to use our funding in a six-year. It sounds like the NGFUSE is in its sixth year? We're in our fifth year. Okay. Yeah. That um, we, we got a special non-cost extension because of uh, covid uh, six, but I know this is usually indeed the rare, rare. Okay, yeah, thank you for that clarification. Um, so that is uh, probably very COVID specific then. Um, okay, well, I would love to thank all of our panelists for joining us today and sharing information about your programs. It's been really informative. And um, I know I know we've had a really great turnout today. So thank you also to everyone who came. And before we sign off, I just want to remind you that we will um, join us here again next week. And uh, Dr. Santos from uh, NC State will talk to us about food science and a little bit about labeling. So um, thank you again. If you could help thank our um, speakers virtually, <laughs> uh, we really appreciate it. And we will see everyone next week.